Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Difference Makers. Welcome to Living the Principles Podcast, Episode 66. I'm Phyllis G. Williams. I'm Latricia Smith. Today, we will talk about the principle Ujamaa, Cooperative Economics. And we're going to talk about the principle from the movie, The Banker. Yes, The Banker was executive produced by Samuel L. Jackson, and he was also in the film. It's a biopic based on a loosely true story. If you haven't watched the movie you want to, we're going to have some spoilers. So, spoiler alert. So, it's about the money. Hey, it must be the money that drives a lot of things. So, it's based on Bernard Garrett. Matt Steiner, Joe Morris, Patrick Parker were the main characters. Latricia, we both have a background in education. So let's do what teachers do and grade the movie. Yes, let's. I'm going to give it a B. I thought it was uh, just a solid B. (laughs) Okay. How about you? What grade do you what grade do you give it? I give the movie a B also. I was going to give it a B minus. B, I don't know. But the things I look for in a movie are the plot line. I think the plot line was great until one certain part. So whenever I'm reading a book, watching a movie, I want it to flow. And it seemed like there wasn't a flow during one part of the movie. And... The, the the acting, it was superb. They had A-list actors and actresses, so that wasn't an issue. The scenery, I'm always amazed when I watch films from the 50s, 60s, or any other era before I was born and see how much detail it took. So I was looking at the background, the cups, and a lot of different things, the, the cars was there was there a key in the background you know right. so <laughs> so it's for that reason I give it a b the scenery was great the acting was great the cost well not the costumes but you know what I mean by costumes the plot line right. beginning was strong and the ending was powerful but I felt like it didn't all mesh seamlessly where did you see the threads unravel? It was around the time that Matt Steiner became the banker because they built up him becoming one of their colleagues. But as far as him becoming a independent banker, I felt like they only mentioned that once or twice. And then the next thing I know, he's in that position. So it just seems so forced, like we have to talk about 
how Matt Steiner was a banker that basically ruined them. But I would have liked to hear Matt talk about being a banker consistently after he had a little bit of success. So that way we know where the movie's going. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, the reason why I gave it a B is because it was entirely too much numbered talk in that movie. I was like, oh my goodness. Even though it wasn't boring, where, you know, oftentimes numbers seem like they're boring, it wasn't boring, but it just was a lot of it. And I was like, oh my goodness, all these numbers. Are they still talking about numbers? (laughs) But I guess they had to teach this guy all this stuff since he wasn't a banker and he didn't, he wasn't a finance guy and didn't know about finances. I guess he needed to learn these things. So they spent a lot of time on that. So that was one of the reasons why I gave it a B, but I do think there were good actors, like you said. So I love Samuel L. Jackson. I liked how Samuel L. Jackson and Anthony Mackie's characters were kind of opposite of one another That made the movie more interesting to me as well, because Anthony Mackie, his character was more stern faced and hardball and quiet. And Samuel Jackson's character, Joe Morris, he was more lively life of the party, having it going on funny. So I thought the two of them together made for a really interesting movie. And I want to piggyback around on something you said about the talking numbers frequently. That was part of it that made me like the movie even more. And the reason why was to show the complexity of what they had to do. I looked at some real estate agent books, um, studying things like that. And I was just like, oh, never mind. So for me to really see that, gives the audience an understanding of how difficult banking can be or just dealing with numbers, um, whether it's real estate, whether it's banking. So I really like that part of it. And I like that there was a mixture throughout the movie. We can talk about some of our likes and dislikes because we're different people. So we'll like things differently and we'll dislike things in a different manner as well. What I did like about the movie was a mix of seriousness, humor, knowledge, and those were the key things. For example, when you talked about Samuel Jackson character, Joe Morris, oh my gosh, the humor added in there was perfect. And not only that, a lot of the things they said were so powerful. and made me question some of my beliefs. So I think the fact that they put that in the movie, I really liked that as well. I didn't feel like this was one of those uh, civil rights movies that has magical Negroes in it. And yes, so we're just happy to be here type people. Um, I really liked that. Are you familiar with magical Negroes? What kind of Negroes? Magical. Are they like unicorns? I I would have to say no. No, I'm not. (laughs) I like about it that it it had so many different moods in it, but the moods 
were just in a time where I was like, oh, this is this is serious. Then there was a funny moment. So a magical Negro, the movie I think about, um, I'm not sure if, how much you like it, love it, if you've ever seen it, but it was a Taraji P movie concerning racism. And to me, she was like, there was people in there that was, their only purpose is to make non-Black people feel better about themselves. So they may just, like a unicorn, they may just pop up and give you some knowledge. And you're like, oh, thank you, Joe. You make $2 a month, but you're happy. Now, let me go to the Bahamas. <laughs> so, yeah. So those, those were my likes. What were your likes about the movie? Okay. One of the things that I liked about the numbers, although it was a whole lot of numbers, I liked how this guy, Matt Steiner, he had like a memory out of this world. Like he could remember stuff to, to be able to remember those numbers and keep that information in his head. I thought that was impressive. I wonder if that is real or not, but I thought that was really impressive. I liked the, again, the contrast between those two characters. I think oftentimes when people think of rich people, they have this ideal that they're a certain kind of way sometimes. And I thought that Joe Morris, although he had money and he had property and he was still like a down to earth kind of guy. So I think Bernard Garrett, he was more, I think he kept a lot of stuff bottled up. So he didn't express himself as much. And I think that Joe Morris helped him to be more free. So I I did like that about the movie. I liked in the beginning how it showed Bernard Garrett. He always had a passion about business and numbers, how he would sneak around and listen to the businessmen in their meeting. And he he was just very in tune to what they were saying. So this is not something that he all of a sudden decided that he wanted to do. This is something that had been in him for his whole life since he was a child. And I liked how they showed that when he came up, even when he was shining shoes and he was always listening, always tuned in to what the guys were doing as far as business goes. Yes, I love that part also. And I thought it was so brave of him to dream like that during that era. What were some of your dislikes about this movie? I didn't have too many, but I'm curious to hear yours. I didn't have very many either, but the other thing that I liked about the movie, what actually what I actually loved the most about the movie, I think, was when he wanted to go back to Texas and help the black people there where he came from. Like he he left Texas, moved to California, made a great life for himself in California, buying up all of this real estate. He didn't have to go back to Texas to buy these banks and to help the black people there, but he did. And that is what I love the most about the movie, that he went back to help other people in the Jim Crow South. Yes, and Joe told him that money was going to change him. But when you think of that, you think of money changing you for the worst, but it made him feel like, as if, if I'm the only one eating, what's the point of it? If I'm the only one with... Uh, secure future, what's the point of my success? I thought that demonstrated the true definition of success. I've heard people say, it's not success until you pass it on to somebody else. 
I didn't particularly dislike anything about the movie. I thought a lot of the scenes were, you know, run of they were run of the mill kind of racial things that are expected in those types of movies. I think it just showed that racism was alive and well, even though he left Texas, the racist South, and moved to California to the West, that he still experienced racism, maybe not at the same level in the same ways, but it still existed. And I guess his wife, she didn't have much of a role. She just kind of came in periodically. She gave him a pep talk. She was kind of like a supportive wife. She pepped him up a couple of times, got him told one time or two, and she kind of just disappeared into the abyss. But was she magical? <laughs> I don't think she was magical. I don't think she was magical. Okay. She was magical, but not a magical Negro. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think at the beginning, that's where they were going with that. But after she stood up for herself, I felt like, okay, that made her not the magical Negro. But I believe in you. Sometimes you have doubts. You know, so, or... Baby, can we talk about this in more detail? So it just seemed like she had no concerns and she just totally trusted her husband. So you don't, you didn't have any things that you disliked. I don't think I had things that I disliked, but I squint out. But I squint out quite a bit. That was one of them. His wife, Eunice Garrett. I feel there's this thing with movies that you have to have checklist of social awareness. And I consider I consider myself, of course, I'm for female empowerment, but it seemed like that talk wasn't natural during that era. So they had to put it in a movie, but in a way that didn't seem natural to the era. So basically, she was talking about, to me, feminism or female empowerment. When she wanted to go into the bank and help, and I'm sorry, this is when it was, her husband couldn't go into the bank without basically a disguise. So Joe Lewis would dress up as a chauffeur, and her husband refused to dress up as a janitor until he absolutely had to. And she was giving him a speech about, oh, is it because I'm a woman? And to me, I wasn't around in the 50s. But I wonder how many women said, is it because I'm a woman? Or it just seemed like it had some social awareness point. I know that seems kind of ironic coming from me, that we're a part of a Black Empowerment podcast. I'm a woman. but that, I don't know. What do you think about what I just said? I think it was more of a do you see me kind of thing. I think it was more of a relatable kind of thing, how he was upset about how he was seen. And I think she was upset about how she's seen as a woman. And it was kind of a comparison. That's the way I saw it. Absolutely. And I agree with what she was saying. That's not what I disagree with. And I understand the point 
of her speech, but it seemed like there maybe was a second point in it. Because I have said before that sexism and racism and misogyny, they're like siblings. So I did think she did a good job of painting that, but I questioned the purpose of it. But like you said, okay. maybe you yes. Why was it necessary for her to point that out at that point in time? Mm-hmm. And women, if you look reading this, don't think I'm part of the red pill, whatever group. Um, <laughs> but one other thing that I squint at was the Irishman. So at the very beginning of the movie, after he moved to California, there was a guy who saw his talent and said, hey, I could be the face. And you could basically be my right-hand man behind the scenes. So we're doing these deals with white white sellers, but they don't know that you're my partner. And during one part of the movie, he said, well, I'm a dirty Irishman. And I squint out that part because I equated it to Irish were slaves too. And we did an episode where we talked about those type of things to um, discern, to go to another part of the conversation and reject the issue. So part of me, I squint eyed that part. But those are the two parts I squint eyed. I squint eyed Eunice Garrett and I squint eyed the Irishman statement. But I was very grateful to see that there were people like him that were willing to work with Black people. Yes, him, the other banker that Joe Morris knew who helped them with buying those other banks, and the Matt Steiner character, who was their front man. Yes, I spoke earlier about the film made me think about my own beliefs because there were a few times that Samuel L. Jackson said, no, maybe it was twice, but he said, oh, I don't trust white people. And then Bernard, you know, gave him a little bit of slack about that. He said, oh, for the record, I don't trust black people either. But I just know, and to me, this was one of those powerful parts of the movie. He said, for me, I just know as human beings, when you can get away with things despite doing people wrong, you're more likely to do wrong. Basically, that's what he said. So mm-hmm. that part was like, mmm, that's true. And what are your thoughts about Matt Steiner? Since you didn't have any dislikes, what were your thoughts about Matt Steiner? I thought he was well-intentioned. I didn't think he meant them any harm or meant for the bank to collapse or for the stuff that happened to have happened. I don't think he did it on purpose, but nonetheless, it still happened. I thought the fact that he accepted the responsibility to be their front person and to work for them and stand in for them. I thought, I thought that was noble of him, but I don't know all of the history behind all of it, but I thought, I thought it was noble of him, and I thought the guy who played the role, I thought he he did a good job playing the role. And his wife, I think his wife is the one 
who pressured him into trying to to run the bank when he really wasn't ready. I think he knew he wasn't ready, but he had this flag from his wife. Oh, I, I thought you were going to be a partner. When are you going to be a partner? She kept bothering him and bothering him. So he went to them and I don't think he was really ready. He thought he was ready or he wanted to appease his wife. And I think that's what created more of the problems. Yes. And what his wife said made me just think about how I'll get into that later when we talk about our takeaways. But another thing during that part, he said, we have made more money this year or, or these first these first months than I have all year and we paid off a house and she still wasn't satisfied and I think the underlying issue was it seems as if you're answering to a black man yep probably so or maybe she had just had confidence in him you can be so much more you can be so much more than this you can run the darn bank the reason why I don't, I can't lean into that statement is because she said, there's no way they're smarter than you. Like, I know they've been doing this for years or dealing with money for years, real estate, banking, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. So what were your takeaways from this story, from this film? My takeaways are... One, you can be black and successful in hard times during Jim Crow era, during segregation. You can still find your way to success. Another takeaway is you can be a successful black person while helping other black people at the same time. Because if it weren't for the fact that they were buying those apartment buildings, in those white neighborhoods and renting to black people and having bought those banks to be able to give black people loans so that their businesses wouldn't fail, so they they wouldn't be homeless, they could buy houses, all those things just to be able to help support the community. I thought that that was just that was just so empowering to me, just to be able to know that you can get it. And you can help other people to get it as well. Those are my biggest takeaways. And I guess the the other one is like people are still human and humans are flawed. So don't put all your eggs in one basket, because if you do, then you could find yourself up the creek with the prison sentence. Okay. I feel like you are the optimistic, glass-half-full character this episode, and I am the squint-eye, rub-chin character. I did take things away from it, but sadly, one thing I took away was the more things change, the more they stay the same. 1968 was when the Housing Act and discrimination was passed and I thought about as recent within the last five years I read things about redlining I read things about neighborhoods being overtaken so in the movie they showed a lot of maps 
Other people were looking at those maps too, but with ill intent. I also thought about as far as the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think the women showed how we have performance allyship. Well, one of them did. One of them, you just knew she didn't like black people. But she came out and she brought their lemonade and all this stuff. And all the while, she really still thinks less of these black men. And I feel as if you can't be an ally like like Matt, you're not really an ally. Because what do you say when I'm not around? I'm not sure how accurate the movie is, but I wonder. Now, what do you say when I'm not around? And I was anticipating part of the movie that Matt would betray them. However, he didn't intentionally betray them. So that's what I took from the movie. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We still are dealing with banking issues, housing issues, people's bias of answering to a black boss is still prevalent in 2023, despite the laws that's been changed. That is absolutely true. So, like I was saying, I don't know how accurate Matt's character was in a movie to his real life, but there were some discrepancies in the movie, which happens with all movies. And I know both of us tried to do some research, and that research was almost overshadowed by family issues. But can you tell me some of the discrepancies that you saw? concerning the movie and the life, the real life of Mr. Garrett? What I saw is Mr. Garrett's ex-wife, Linda Garrett. She had created her own timeline of events that didn't line up with the timeline of of some of the events in the actual movie. And... In the movie, it only showed his first wife. And I believe I read they were divorced in 1959. And his second wife, her name was Linda. Did I say that already? Linda Garrett. She said that she married him in 1962. They went to prison in 1965. So I don't know why she wasn't included in the movie at all or if some of the purchases were made while she was married to him or if that was even significant I don't know but she said that the things were inaccurate but I also read that the director and the actors said that they got the information from interviews of Garrett himself they also said that they got information from the court records and from some of the media at that time so it's hard to know what's accurate and what isn't but they said that they stand behind the movie you know why Linda Garrett wasn't in that movie I don't do you because she couldn't be a magical Negro. (laughs) (laughs) 
They did the work to be black the whole movie so she could click her heels and smile like she ate a banana sideways. I'm just joking. But um, partly. But I do believe that's, I wonder if that's part of it. Or even just how would it change the aspect of the film if they introduce his second wife because then they'll probably have to talk about the discrimination they went through also. So that's what I think they thought about. I probably had to introduce too many new concepts and issues. So, Latricia, we've done a lot of talk about the movie, partly talked about real life. And I just want to say this fact before I ask you for the principal challenge. And one thing that I found interesting by doing some research and looking further into the movie or the concepts of the movie was there are only 42 black banks in America, which shows how discrimination can be so detrimental to future generations. Indeed. Powerful movie. I'm very grateful for those men all of them that paved the way, their wives that made sacrifices and had to live in fear, I'm sure, throughout their marriage. I'm very grateful for them for paving the way for us to spread generational wealth. That's the cooperative economics of this movie. He got in a position so he could help the community. Yep, he was able to partner with someone else in cooperation because he didn't have the financial resources to do it on his own. So he was able to partner with someone to get it done and make it happen. And I think that that's so important. It's it's such an important aspect in the Black community to be able to come together. And I, I think that's one of the, the other benefits of building wealth is to be able to give back and to be able to help and step in when an opportunity presents itself. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the critics I've read reviews about this movie and some of the critics used words such as that they were con men and they were um Wiley and all these other words to show that they had horrible or bad character, but they never had to deal with fighting for financial success just because of the color of their skin. So that's why I feel that movie, this movie, the banker did not resonate with them because of their lack of experiences. That's a really good point. Watching the movie, I never thought what they were doing was anything cunning and shady and illegal. I never thought of it that way. I I just thought that these guys found a way to work the system. They figured out how to work the system. They knew that they had the financial resources to be able to do it, but they also knew that their black skin wasn't going to allow for it. So therefore, they had white front men to be able to do that part for them that they couldn't do for themselves. Their failure wasn't in that part. I I think what the problem was, was 
in how the money was applied at the two bl- at the two banks. I think that's where the issue came in. But overall, I don't think that they were being deceptive and conniving or anything like that. But <laughs> that's just my eyes. Mm-hmm. But the the white people in the court system did because that was something else I noticed. I think that law may have not passed in to have a fair and equal trial, because, or maybe it did. But the the people that were responsible for their freedom were white men. That's it, just white men only. So I wouldn't be surprised if that paid a factor in them being convicted. Right. Yeah. So, Latricia, do you want to summarize our podcast or would you like to move to the principal challenge? I think we can move to the principal challenge. I think I think we pretty much covered the episode fairly well. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Principal challenge. Live them out. Our principal challenge for today is to support Black-owned banks and credit unions. You heard, Phyllis, there are 42 Black-owned banks. Find one in your area, support it, open an account, drop some money in there, help the community. Absolutely. Open your mind, hearts, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. As always, we have three news articles to talk about. Our first one comes from Howard University. Howard University was recently awarded a $90 million contract. The GRIO reports, students are equally pumped for this program. Howard University ROTC member Bria White told ABC7 News, I think that we just need the world to see that we are more than liberal arts. We are also STEM. We breed many architects, engineers, and mathematicians, all types of STEM degrees. And having this program really pushes that forward. Our second good news is about Tyler Perry. According to Variety.com, Filmmaker Tyler Perry announced that he would donate $500,000 to New York's famed Apollo Theater during the venue's annual Spring Benefit Gala. Perry made the offer during his acceptance speech for the organization's Impact Award, which was presented to him by Whoopi Goldberg. During this same speech, he also spoke of owning a former Confederate Army base and concluded that 98% of the people he paid last year with his $154 million payroll were Black. Our third and final good news. Susan Collins. Susan Collins made history in the summer of 2022 when she was selected to lead the Boston Federal Reserve Bank. She is the first Black woman to serve in that role. She has already voted in favor of three interest hikes, the highest inflation of our generation, 
isn't the only reason that she aims for change. Collins is concerned that Black and Hispanic people could feel the greatest effects of the predicted economic pain arising from the Fed's move. That's our good news for today, all based on cooperative economics. I would like to do our soul snack. Our soul snack for today comes from an Igbo proverb, and it says, the firewood in a community gets the community's food done. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your community. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.